Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Over with me today, Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Timothy. Hello. We're a book club for games. But not today. Today we're going to talk about... The OLED Switch. The Steam Deck. And do some rapid fire. Let's start with the OLED switch. So, what does this first line say? <laughs> Lame. That's how we should start with the OLED switch. Everyone was kind of expecting a Switch Pro at some point, and it didn't materialize at E3, but then lots of people were saying, well, Nintendo doesn't like to announce hardware at E3. Just wait, it will be coming. And then they announced it, kind of, boom, surprise, new Switch, OLED display. I'm like, oh, cool, and what's the processor? And they were like, the same as before. And then everyone was immediately disappointed. Quite rightly so, in my opinion. I I would sum it up as, yay, I can't wait to play Pokemon in my hallway. I mean, that's... That's the, you know, you know, like in the original Switch adverts, like the enduring image was like, let's have a rooftop party, you know, and from the OLED Switch trailer, the enduring image for me is the guy walking home and pulling out his Switch and playing Pokemon in his hallway. Like, why would you do this? If you're at home, surely you just dock it to the TV. But if you did that, you wouldn't be able to see the new OLED screen and it would just be like the old Switch. It's pointless. Is it because we don't have rooftop parties at the moment? Is it bad taste? Oh, maybe. Maybe it was supposed to be a rooftop party and they had to change it. I doubt it. Yeah. I mean, they do show two people in like a cafe or a restaurant playing with a Switch. Two is okay, though, isn't it? Two. two, I didn't say there was any problem with two. I mean, they're not wearing masks, but it's fine. The It's just... It's just kind of unexciting. It's it's a nicer display. It's OLED. It's a slightly bigger display. The new dock has an Ethernet port, so you don't have to deal with Wi-Fi if you don't want to deal with Wi-Fi for multiplayer. The kickstand is better. It's like the whole back of the machine, kind of like, you know, the Microsoft Surface Pro line of, you know, two-in-ones. And that's it. Yeah, yes, that's it. And? And it costs $50 more. So, 350 USD or 310 GBP. I mean, are you interested? Are you going to get one? No. No, I wanted a Pro. 
yeah i exactly i don't want to switch amateur i'm i'm definitely not going to get one i mean the other thing for me is i pretty much only use the switch docked and so there's literally no difference if you're going to dock it so it's completely pointless for me so i was ready for a 4k switch where i could choose between performance mode and fidelity mode that's what i was expecting and that's what I, I would have wanted, or would have got. I think that's what everyone was hyping up and everyone was hoping for. And I mean, maybe this is why they didn't release the E3 as well, because they just knew it was going to be a crushing disappointment. I mean, what were they thinking? I mean, I guess you could blame the market for being excited for something that didn't exist. Like maybe Nintendo never intended to release a Switch Pro. You know, I mean, this this is just like a very minor hardware refresh like this is i guess this is like i was going to say it's like the ds fat to the ds Lite, though arguably that's the switch light but it's it's just another form factor like that I, or maybe like the 3ds to the i was gonna say to the new 3ds but the new 3ds is more powerful i you know what i don't even know anymore what comparisons am i even trying to make <laughs> I heard there was some speculation that maybe this is a victim of the chip shortage. Like maybe it was meant to be a Switch Pro, but because they couldn't guarantee the supply of new chips, they've just kept the rest of the internals the same. Though, I mean, that sounds superficially convincing, but I don't, it just doesn't seem very realistic to me because I don't think anyone was asking for a Switch that just had a better display. Like, surely they would have still been better off producing, you know, this new SKU that had better internals too and just having very limited supply of it to begin with. But that would make more sense than now kind of like poisoning the waters because now you've already got a new Switch out. When would you even release a Switch Pro? If you see what I mean. I do, I do. It's like, oh, guys, we've got these displays on sale i've got a shit ton of them i've got loads of them and then they just bolted onto a oh shit we're we gonna put them just put them on a new switch what about the internals F the internals no 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 when did the switch come out 2017 so i guess that's like halfway through a console gen life cycle i mean if nintendo is kind of committed to the switch as a console form factor then maybe they really won't do a Switch Pro until, you know, another four years. And then it'll just be a new console gen. It'll just be a Switch 2. But then again, knowing Nintendo, they'll probably release a Switch Pro in January 2022 or something. But what, it, what it, a Switch Pro will play the same games as a Switch. And the Switch will play Switch Pro games, right? Well, assuming it's going to be like a PS4, PS4 Pro kind of situation. But is that what you're expecting? That's what I'm saying. I think that's what... I and many people were hoping for. Okay, we agree on something. Although, although, now that you've asked me to clarify it, I don't know why I was hoping for that. So, so I can play Breath of the Wild 2 in 4K, I guess. I don't, you know what? I don't, even know why, I don't even know why I'd want that. I don't have a 4K TV. <laughs> you don't want the crazy lag when you hit the forest. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I could just emulate it for that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they did release a Switch Pro later. Perhaps 
early to mid-2022. But this is a slightly strange and unnecessary update to the Switch, in my opinion. Are they discontinuing the original Switch, or is this just a slightly nicer Switch you can get if you want? Is it is this like a 3DS and a 3DS Max kind of situation then? Well, looking at the promotional materials, it looks like they're going to keep it in the lineup. Okay, so it's around for now at least. Yeah. Who knows what Nintendo will do? That they don't, they don't think like us. I was going to say mere mortals. I mean, nin- Nintendo, Nintendo doesn't see the world the same way it feels like everyone else does sometimes, or at least the way gaming media does, you know. Perhaps they think this is great. I mean, they do have precedent for doing stuff like this. Like, the, you know, the, I alluded to before, there's the many different iterations of the DS and the Game Boy Advance as well, right? Like, Game Boy Advance had many different models, you know, the... The one that was kind of like switch form factor, the clamshell one. There were two clamshell ones, in fact. One had a better screen, the micro, you know. So for the Switch to be doing the same thing, I guess it's just what they do with their handhelds. Yeah. I mean, they're not a hardware company. They're definitely a hardware company. Come on. No, what I mean is they're not looking to evolve their hardware as quick as possible. You know, they'll hold back hardware if they can. And they have done. Right? I think it's because, yeah, it's like, you know what? It's like a categorization problem, right? Like, we are looking at the Switch and we are seeing it as a console, right? I mean, for me, certainly, I use it 99% of the time docked. I suspect that's actually kind of unusual. I think most people use it mostly in handheld mode, which is maybe why an OLED Switch makes sense. But for me, I use it nearly entirely docked. So for me, it definitely doesn't. And that's why I think of it as being like a PS4 or an Xbox or whatever, right? And that's why, why would you keep releasing new SKUs of it? This is crazy. But Nintendo, Nintendo is treating it like it's handhelds, which makes sense because it is a handheld, I guess. And thus released loads of them in different colors and form factors and whatever. And their priority is battery life, I guess. Yeah. Not performance. But I would love a performance switch. In fact, release one that you can't undock that's got great performance. Just do it. But, but then again, fix your save cloud system, please, and then it would actually be usable. This is basically a, a physical embodiment of your Steam library, right? And so all the choices we've made, all the decisions we've made as a team really were about how do we bring and extend that Steam experience into a, in, into a piece of hardware that is, is one object, right? And I think uh, uh, that balance, that balance of trade-offs, that, you know, uh, and the balance of the inputs and the display and all the, the thermal, everything, battery, I think uh, it's something we're super proud of, right? And it's a it's a careful balance. It comes from a bunch of different personalities and a bunch of different a diverse set of team. Uh, Let's move on um, talking and to and the Steam Deck. I was about to say the Switch Pro, like the real Switch Pro. <laughs> you know, 
we wanted a portable console that can be docked to output 4K and play current gen AAA titles with current gen hardware, you know, like not a piddly Tegra X1 from years ago. And it wasn't the Switch Pro, it's the Steam Deck. Boom. Surprise. How do you feel about the name? I have no strong reaction to the name. How do you feel about the name? Deck. Steam Deck 1, Deck 2, Deck 3, Deck 4. Steam Deck Original. Steam Deck Dog. It's just too close to a rude word. It's one letter away. You have been watching too many billionaires fling their money into space. My mind didn't go there at all. At all. I'm sorry. At all. Fine. What, what would you call it? You know, in, in the history of hardware, they've gone with Steam Machine, Steam Link, Steam Controller. Yep, yeah, and they all did terribly. Okay, so the Steam Handheld would have done terribly, but the Steam Deck is going to win. Yeah, you're right. We should, we should, let's brainstorm some alternative ideas on the theme of Steam. It should just be like the scold, the burn, <laughs> the enthalpy cycle. I'm, I'm trying to think back to my thermodynamics lectures. Had Valve, which is, I thought was quite clever. The what? Well, Valve and Steam is actually a good connection. It is. And Steam produces what? Thermal expansion. <laughs> That's what we'll call it. The Thermex. The Thermex. This is like Hydrox cookies. It, it sounds like a great idea, and then you realise it's a terrible idea. Anyway. The name is not that important. It costs only $50 more than the OLED Switch. So... For the base model, 399 USD. And actually, I didn't mention it just now, but the OLED Switch actually technically has more storage than the old Switch as well. It's got 64 gigs of eMMC, which is the same as the base model of the Steam Deck. But it is way more powerful than a Switch. Without going into loads of numbers, it's basically half of an Xbox Series S ish i think as of the moment we're recording only ign has been able to actually try using one but you know from the specs that have been released it sounds like it's about half of an xbox series s which on the one hand doesn't sound that great but it's tiny it's it's only slightly bigger than a switch and if you dock it it can actually output 4k at 120 frames per second or 8k at 60 which is pretty pretty impressive yeah i mean obviously you need to actually find a game that can actually do that many frames on the hardware that it's got but like cs or something i guess that's why they always have cs in the back pocket but the display is 720 well 1280 by 800 so they can achieve high frame rates say that they need that display is only 60 hertz still 16 gigs of ram and an rdna2 apu for all of the SKUs. So, you know, it's pretty decent. And it's literally a PC. It's not a piece of lockdown hardware like a Switch. 
it is kind of optimized just to run Steam. But if you want, you can wipe the OS and you can put Windows on it. You can install the Epic Game Store on it. You can do anything you like on it. It's actually kind of amazing and amazing value too. 40 watt hour battery, which is advertised as giving you between two and eight hours of gameplay, depending on what you're running. And controls wise, it's what traditional twin stick controls, two joysticks, D-pad, four face buttons, triggers, bumpers, and then actually four kind of back buttons and two touch pads, like, you know, mouse touch pads on the front as well. Hmm, but two of them. Oh, and a touchscreen. Okay, Valve. I-, I think it's pretty amazing. That is. Really, I'm, I'm... This just kind of dropped unexpectedly, and my reaction to this is the reaction I had hoped to have had to the OLED Switch. But this is actually way more exciting in a lot of ways. And then, yeah, I, I mentioned earlier three SKUs. So there's the base model at 399 USD, which is 64 gigs of kind of flash. There is then a mid-tier model, $529 for 256 gigs of NVMe storage. And then the top tier, $649 for 512 gigs of NVMe. And in the UK, the pricing is... 349, 459, and 569 pounds, respectively. So it's nice they're not doing one to one price gouging either. The, the storage is also theoretically upgradable, although it's not designed to be user replaceable, but all three models are actually using an M2 2230 form factor for the, for the drive. Uh, this was originally discovered because someone just emailed Gabe Newell. And said, like, hey, can I change the storage? And they were like, M2, 2230. And they were like, perfect, thanks, Gabe. And then the actual product spec sheet has since been updated to say this. You know, all of the models, including the 64 gig EMMC version, actually use this M.2 slot. But it's not intended to be user replaceable, so it will void your warranty. Have you seen any pictures of Gabe recently? Yes. He looks like he's been... (laughs) He looks like he's been sitting on a mountaintop meditating or something. Or, or someone else said he looks like a biker, like a hell's angel. I don't even know anymore. Do he look like Santa? <laughs> everyone, everyone sees something different. Truly, he is the Messiah. He is here to save gaming. He, is, <laughs> he has come bearing gifts. So let's talk about the price. Yeah, so the time I actually saw Gabe Newell recently was on a video where they're asking him about the Steam Deck. And he, he's talking about how hitting the price point was very important. But, you know, he looked like he was in physical pain, you know, when he's talking about the price. So, they, they, you know, they've managed to hit that $400 price, which I think is kind of the most people are generally willing to pay for a console. But they've managed to do it. So, yeah, he was like, we knew it was important to hit this price point. So they're expecting the base model to sell the most? I I don't know, but I think they wanted it to be there, like, as a gateway. Okay, yeah, just to get them into, like, public thinking. Because this is the thing, like, this is... 
I mean, this is the whole topic in itself. Like, who is this Steam Deck aimed at? And what could it do for PC gaming? But, you know, sticking on the price first, I'm curious whether they're making a loss on it. Because other than Nintendo, consoles are generally actually sold at a loss, right? To begin with, at least. You know, that's why... That's why a PS5 has really fairly decent internals considering the price compared to what you'd have to pay for a PC because Sony are taking the loss because they know they're going to make the money back on the games. Or the subs. This is not a lockdown console though. So would Valve be willing to eat a loss? It seems unlikely, but then Gabe was wincing at the price, so... Maybe there is an expectation that most people will stick with Steam OS, Steam. But they will only make a loss if they're not if some, if the end user switches to Windows and or not Windows, but starts buying games from another storefront. Yeah, I mean the thing is, like Valve already like is PC gaming, really. Still, you know, Steam has gone from being like hated to totally beloved. Like Steam is PC gaming at this point in time, pretty much. So. How much is this really going to grow their market? It's only it's only going to grow their market if they can get new people into PC gaming, I would have thought. Kids. Maybe it's for the kids. Otherwise, people who are buying the Steam Deck, they've already they're already playing games on Steam, they're already buying their games on Steam. So I, it's very interesting. Like I, I doubt they're making a loss, but it's possible they're really making a very tiny or even maybe at cost. At cost. You know, no profit at all on yeah, on some of these models. Yeah, at cost on the base model, and then you know you've got the two, the mid tier and the high end ones. Obviously, make some money off those ones. But it's it's a really interesting device. Like it's it's like just like a, such a tiny PC. I mean, I know you get these tiny, tiny PCs. There was that GPD Win Three, I think, and then I saw recently there's another one called the Aya Neo. So these tiny form factor PCs, I guess, do exist. But they've always been a bit weird. Yeah. I, I just think it's intriguing. Like what you know, if they can popularize this form factor, imagine of instead of having a laptop, you've just got one of these if you primarily want it for portable gaming. And if you want to do some actual useful stuff on it too, you just, you know, take one of those tiny slimline keyboards and a mouse and an HDMI cable, you know. Yeah. And your output to 4K. Because you know, that might actually be smaller than a laptop too. Yeah. Now, I can't actually reserve one of these because I'm not in one of the blessed territories that's allowed to. So why don't you tell me about how to reserve one of them? Well, you can't reserve them in Hong Kong, but you can reserve them in uh, UK, US, Canada and the EU. The reservations are paid for, so it's a $5 charge. And for the first 48 hours, you required an account that had a a purchase before June 2021. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. So it, it was an attempt to discourage scalpers, basically, rather than people spinning up loads of bot accounts and trying to buy up all the stock. But I know there are already, there are already listings on eBay that allow you to buy a Steam Deck for December delivery. Obviously, that's not right, because I think eBay listings need to be delivered within 30 days. 
I just realised, Mike. Maybe, maybe it's a scam. <laughs> I just realised, Mike. If you want, if you want a Steam Deck, I can reserve one for you. Well, I, I don't think the deliveries now are until Q two twenty twenty two. Yeah. So there's not much point now. <laughs> I don't. Fine. I don't need a Steam Deck to be clear. As it's well, a- I already bought that razor blade, so I'm I'm done for the moment for hardware. Also, I can't afford to be buying stuff willy nilly now. <laughs> Or at least I shouldn't. If you buy stuff willy-nilly, that'll give you a reason to get back into making money. <laughs> but I don't want to. I don't want to make money. I just don't want it. Well, I want the money, but I just don't <laughs> want to do anything for it. Sorry. Sorry. This is, this, this is a pointless tangent. Okay. Move on. So, how did the... Do you know? Do we know, do you have figures from the from the reservations? Well, so this is the interesting thing, right? Because I think for the first ninety minutes after reservations opened, everything was really overloaded. Number one and number two, when you reserved one, it told you your place in the queue, so people could obviously tell from that how many people had ordered one before them. So before they close this loophole down people could tell that within the first 90 minutes there had already been 110,000 pre-orders, most of which were for the top-end 512 gig model. Which I'm sure they had a... They knew... So how do I say this? I'm sure they knew that was going to happen, you know, given what's happened before with devices like the iPhone. Yeah, I think if you are a... Pro pro gamer hardcore gamer i didn't know yeah i was hesitating to use those terms but yeah if you play a lot of pc games you would know more space equals better like 64 gigs is not going to cut it if you want to play AAA games i mean to be honest it probably is fine if you want to just play slay the spire ftl etc which would actually be really great but yeah if you want to if you want to download like Apex Legends, actually that's a terrible example because you probably can't play Apex Legends on it for reasons we'll get into in a moment. But if you want to download Death Stranding, for example, you know, that's like 64 gigs straight away. You know, you, you couldn't basically play that on the base model. It wouldn't fit. You can get an SD card, right? Yeah, you're right. They do all have an SD card slot, but SD card performance is okay, but not great. Anyhow, for the first 90 minutes, those still seem like fairly decent numbers. And yeah, pre-orders are now backed up until Q2 2022, at least for the top end model, from what I hear. And then to clarify my statement about Apex Legends, obviously a lot of multiplayer games have an anti-cheat, although not Warzone, Fixer, Activision. And anti-cheat obviously is very finicky about what it runs on because it's literally trying to tell if you're doing any funny business with your PC and it literally is doing funny business with your PC because it's running most of these games through an emulation layer called Proton. So if they put Windows on these machines, they would have to pay a licensing fee to Microsoft, which they don't want to do. So these machines are running SteamOS 3 
which is built on top of Arch Linux, which obviously is open source, so they can do what they like with it and customize it. I mean, that probably gives them all sorts of other cool advantages too, because I'm sure if they wanted to get deep into the guts of the OS and tinker with it for better power management to run on this form factor, they genuinely could, because the whole OS is open to them now. And then a lot of games are not compiled to run on Linux, but this Proton layer is built on top of Wine, like a Windows emulation library for Linux, and lots of other customizations that Valve have done. And I think it was originally developed for the Steam machines, right? Which was their last attempt at doing a Steam console, which didn't really pan out very well at all. But yeah, Proton is like the legacy of that. And by all accounts, it's actually pretty good now. So most games will actually run fine unless they have some sort of anti-cheat. And then Valve have actually said they are working with BattleEye and, you know, easy anti-cheat and so on to try and get them to make their anti-cheat software work with Proton. But you could just install Windows on it. I mean, you could just install Windows on it. Yes. I wonder if, if games will, will perform better. It's, it's interesting to see because, I mean, you're going to have driver issues and stuff, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, maybe it's all standard enough that you can just get the regular AMD graphics drivers. But I do wonder because, you know, the processor, you know, CPU, GPU, APU is not a standard consumer part. It is some special chip that they have got AMD to provide them, similar to the ones that are used in the current gen consoles, like the PS5 and the Xbox Series S slash X. I wonder whether whether they'll produce drivers for it, for that themselves. Because, you know, Apple will produce Windows drivers for Bootcamp for the Intel base max. Yeah, so I I wonder. I mean, we'll, we'll know more once the first you know, machines actually start landing in people's hands at the end of the year. I would install Windows on it. <laughs> you traitor. Yeah, I, I, I'd, give, I'd definitely give SteamOS a go. Even though, you know, is this a sign of the end times that Valve have released a 3? SteamOS 3? They didn't call it SteamOS 2.5 or something? I, I'm not aware of any other third thing that valve has actually released maybe it's not really going to happen they're going to end up having to release team os2 maybe this will break the curse and then half-life 3 will be on the steam deck or maybe they'll realize the curse was right they, they shouldn't <laughs> yeah. have, they shouldn't have released the third <laughs> that's right oh jeez. Oh, <laughs> okay and then what do you think about this then more generally in the context of me, in the context of Valve. Well, whatever you like. Just tell me, tell me your thoughts on the Steam Deck. I don't need, I don't need another way to play games. If I'm going to play PC games, I'm going to play them on my PC. And the reason for having a Switch is I can't play a Switch on my PC. You get my point. I can't play Switch on another console. But I can you, play... you can't play Nintendo games on another console. Or on another device, yeah. But with these Steam games, I can play them on my PC, and I prefer it that way. I mean, I personally 
don't feel the need to rush out and buy one. Like I'm not trying to pre-order one. You know, I'm not trying to ask you to reserve one for me to get my hands on it as soon as possible. But I am quite excited that it exists. I think it's kind of amazing that they've done this. And I'm I kind of hope that this will be like a gateway machine for a lot of people into PC gaming because PC gaming is just better, you know. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of companies have tried to do this because that, I mean, you could argue that's what Stadia is and GeForce Now is and whatever too, but this is like an easier to understand thing, right? Like this is in the same way that like you might see a Nintendo Switch on the tube and you might not traditionally be a gamer, but you might think, oh yeah, that looks like fun. I'm going to give it a go, right? The Steam Deck, I think, is like that. And that's why they've got this $400 base model as well. So that people who are not traditional PC gamers, or maybe they're console gamers, but and they've heard PC gaming is great. You know, like this is an affordable way for them to get into PC gaming without having to, you know, pay an obscene amount for a graphics card because of the silicon shortage right now. And yeah, you know, like there are PC games are just, are just better you know there's just like they're just way more imaginative there's way more potential because you don't have that license fee and gatekeeping you know i mean you got you get loads of turds as well but there's also loads of imaginative things that just come out of nowhere or like you can live the dream like you can live the indie dream like that snake rx guy you know that's 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 another thing we should talk about at some point <laughs> so i just like i realized like there's a total massive tangent but like literally this guy from brazil who just wrote a game and then made like a million dollars from it by accident i mean it's not by accident it was very deliberate but he didn't expect to be so successful so fast right like you know things like that happen in the pc gaming space like someone writes some game that turns out to be kind of amazing and i don't think that happens on consoles like you know it'll get to consoles eventually but only after everyone's raving about it because it was on pc you know, or stuff like Factorio or stuff like, I was going to say Civ. I guess you probably can get Civ on the consoles now, but, you know. I remember, Mike, your pro tip was, if you're going to buy a second Switch, buy a Steam Deck instead. Yeah. <laughs> was that my pro tip? It sounds like something I would have said. Yeah. And the Steam Deck is the only place where you can play Super Mario Galaxy 2. <laughs> can i say that i didn't i didn't i didn't <laughs> say, I say that? that to be to, to be clear for legal purposes i didn't say that but yeah we you, you told me that you read that somewhere else and it is true you know we are just recounting something else we saw on the internet yeah if you want to play super mario galaxy 2 portably you can do it on the steam deck you can't do it on the switch <laughs> You can't do it on. The, I was about to say the Switch Pro. You can't do it on any model of Switch. I wonder if you could, if you tried hard enough. I'm sure there is a way to do it. But it'd be even could, harder. I'm sure you could hack it. Yeah, but that would be hard work. If you had an original Gen One Switch, you could probably unlock the bootloader and then do all sorts of hackery. Yes. Or you could just <laughs> get a Steam Deck. I'm just baiting Nintendo into making an announcement before we release this app. Into, into making an announcement for us to cease and desist this podcast. No. <laughs> Think of all the time I would save. But then what would I do with it? We'd get all this publicity, though, which would be no good to us. <laughs> it's like, please, please publicize this podcast. 
We need more listeners. It's all I've got left. <laughs> I take my laser gun and I go pew pew pew. Rapid fire, rapid fire. Mike, would you buy Super Mario sixty four in pristine condition for one point five six million US dollars? No. Why? Why would anyone do that? Yeah. So. A week or two ago, as of the moment we record this podcast, someone bought a water graded 9.8 sealed copy of Super Mario 64 for 1.56 million US dollars. And people were like, wow, they paid a lot of money for a pristine video game. But it's not just a very high price, it's a totally insane price. Like, there's. I think the previous record was like 890,000 for some pristine copy of the original Zelda. Is that right? I mean, basically, the price of pristine sealed video games has been going up for a while now. And it was approaching, you know, the million mark. And previously, they were sealed copies of like really rare games. So, like, it was like one of the original test cartridges not test cartridges but you know like you know the first printings of the game you know that were sealed with a different kind of sticker like there are only a hundred of them in existence kind of thing and then most of them were opened you know it's something like that like really really rare stuff this by contrast was just a completely regular copy of super mario 64 that happened to be sealed and in good condition so it's insane that it went for so much money and you know like i I just have a lot of games, but I don't really collect games. I'm not actually a collector. But I'm in like a WhatsApp chat group with people who are collectors, and a lot of them were just like, WTF, you know, why would anyone pay that much for not a you know, for a completely common game? There's nothing rare about this at all. Yeah, but there are people now flying into space in their own dicks. No, the camera were wrong. <laughs> that came own. out wrong, but it's also true. <laughs> Maybe that's why it looked like that. Maybe it's modelled after it. <laughs> His own. Oh, I feel so. He's done a great thing. I'm sorry, Jeff. It's just too easy to make that. Yeah, it's just too easy to make the joke. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, money laundering. Maybe it's what you value. If you value a pristine. Co- if if that's what you value, something that's new and untouched, that's all you pay for. I mean, maybe it's someone playing the long con, you know, you're just basically setting the precedent that that's how much one of these things is worth. Like, maybe this person has already acquired a load of other stuff <laughs> for maybe, less. Maybe they've got, already got 10 copies rated at 9.8. And they're they're, just... that's, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, maybe they've actually got loads of pristine copies of really regular games. And now we're just setting the precedent that this is how much a pristine copy of a game costs. But then again, that's making the assumption that everyone's motivated by money. Like, maybe you're right. Maybe they just really wanted that game. Maybe that game has nostalgic value to them. I guess there were two parties involved, at least. The buyer and the seller. <laughs> no, what I mean is it was not at an auction. I think, well, I don't know. It was on heritage auctions. I don't know the exact mechanics of 
how it was purchased. With it? I don't know if there was bidding involved, yeah. Okay. Could be sealed bids and they've just gone too high. Could be. Okay. I mean, we live in a world now where someone paid a similar amount of money for essentially a piece of digital paper saying, I own the first tweet. So who's to say what anything is worth anymore? The world is just stupid now, you know. The world is just stupid now. Who knows? Let's move on. So Kotaku put out an article about Ubisoft's Skull and Bones pirate ship game, which was originally planned for to be an expansion for Assassin's Creed, but then was spun out into its own game. And I think it's been in development, as far as we know, for the last eight years. Yeah, I mean, this is approaching Duke Nukem Forever levels of absurdity. It was just interesting to read the history of its game design and how it I don't know did you read the article I did read the article so it seems like it's, it's had a history of multiple pivots from being a 6v6 ship battle game to a well actually I, I, I don't remember all of it it's ultimately at some point ended up being a survival type game a rust style survival type game with a focus on exploration it's just gone round and round and round and round. It seems like they've been like, I mean, Ubisoft Singapore has been working on it, but like the management team has changed, like the actual individual people working on it have like chopped and changed and rotated in and out multiple times at this point. And they said something like, it's just, it's just poor management. Like a new set of management would come in and they would try and put their own mark on it. And then like the central management in like the US or something would look at it and be horrified and put in new management and the cycle would just begin again. And then there's some speculation that for tax reasons, they can't just write it off. They can't just let it, you know, die and move on because the Singapore government requires them to have the Singapore studio release a game in order for them to get this big tax break or something. Yeah. I don't know. That's Who knows right. if that's true? So they're on to their third creative director. And I think that's a problem. I mean, basically, they're just making, they've made three games and just thrown away the first two, right? It sounds like. Yeah. And, you know, there's a great comment. It's too big to fail, just like the banks in the US. You know, so at this point, like, they've just got to keep going. I thought you were going to go with this one, which was in the article... <laughs> has his classic line of fundamental questions like do you play as a pirate or do you play as a boat were constantly closed and reopened or what, what i i i do love that quote but i thought you should read it right like yes that is definitely like the choice quote of the article i just i just love the idea of like what does it mean for you to be playing as a boat like i i do get it right i i know what they mean by you play as a boat you know it's going to be like your pirate ship is like an entity and you hire your crew and whatever, rather than you playing as like Blackbeard the pirate and you just happen to have a boat, you know, and you go ashore as the pirate. But I I really like the idea of like the boat being a sentient entity in itself, like Boaty McBoatface. Like, I I know that's not what they mean at all, but imagine like, and the pirates on the boat aren't aware that the boat is self-aware, Like that would be even better. This is why Ubisoft rejected my application for a creative director at Ubisoft Singapore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just uh, the other funny thing is like, it just sounds like Sea of Thieves now. Yep. Like, 
I'm sorry, guys, you missed it. Like, this is Sea of Thieves you're describing now. Like, you know, the latest iteration. You should have released eight years ago. Maybe it's one of those. They really mean to say, we want to be like Sea of Thieves, but they won't say it. Mm. It's like Bioware wanting Anthem to be like Destiny, but not saying it ever. Yeah. You do have to commend them for persevering, right? It's like, you know, you get the quote, a delayed game can eventually be good, but a bad game is just bad forever. You know, so they want to make a good game and they're still just waiting to make that good game. But as evidenced by Duke Nukem Forever, sometimes a delayed game is just terrible. So, you know, at some point you just have to say enough is enough. Just make Sea of Thieves, just make Sea of Thieves with less cartoony graphics. Just do it at this point. Finally, new Giga Leaks, new Giga Leaks. Yeah, new leaks from the Giga Leak. So these are what, Kilo Leaks? It's nowhere near as big. But some new stuff has been released from the trove of the Giga Leak. Wiimote concepts, so like some green Wiimotes showing different button layouts. There's like a scheduling list showing the Sheik game, like Legend of Zelda, side character, well, side character, spoilers is actually Zelda, Sheik had a game set in like the bad ending of Ocarina of Time. So showing that really was a game that they had planned, but it was cancelled. An IQ version of the GameCube, as in like a China-specific version of the GameCube. So, I mean, this is as of the moment we're recording. Maybe more stuff will continue to come out. So, you know, now that the leaky tap has been turned on again, maybe more stuff will come out. But that's all I saw so far. I think they made a good choice on the Wiimote design, looking at the alternatives. I I really would have liked more buttons on the Wiimote. But I suppose they did keep it simple. Like, compared to the alternatives that I saw in that image, yes, I think what they eventually went with was the best of those. Which had few buttons. Why did they not just have the D-pad and the four buttons, you know? Basically, you know, then it would just be like this, the Joy-Cons. Why not just have the Wiimotes be like the Joy-Cons with the trigger on the back? Anyway, whatever. Sorry, sorry. Let's, let's carry on. That's all I have. Oh. Are we going to do feedback? We got some feedback. Let's do some feedback. Yes, we, let's do some feedback. Feedback on our Death Stranding book club app. So from Michael Q, the requester. Just want to say thanks very much for writing in again. So just picking out a few sections from the email that particularly liked or insightful. Yeah. Re the 40 hour tutorial idea. I think one of the most impressive things, in fact, is that they do manage to make each kind of phase of the game, early alone walking, becoming a road building machine, zipline building machine to rocket launching juggernaut, genuinely satisfying and appealing to play. And the fact that it does just keep adding and adding with actual effects on the gameplay in a way that you wouldn't expect and other games don't do. I think that really is a major thing that's surprising and in its favour. That it's incredibly rich and well-crafted in that respect. So, I guess he's just agreeing (laughs) with the point about the 40-hour tutorial, but also pointing out that it's kind of like 
yeah, four separate games in one. You know, each different phase of the game is like its own game and feels fresh and fun. You know, that's that's why, despite me being slightly derogatory and calling it a forty-hour tutorial, it's not. You know, it's it's a journey. I don't know what else to say. Yes, so yes, I agree with this more insightful way of putting what i was trying to say very good okay so this is what i wanted to pull out you'll be happy to know that i've had at least two fu moments from the game i'm up in the mountains with hartman and it spawns two bts on me forces me into the boss fight then once i've used all my stuff but beaten the lions or whatever i've just had time to pick my stuff back up when it respawns them and they just eat my truck, leaving me to walk. The second uh, moment is, I have two shared trucks just outside Hartman's lab. I put all the building stuff for the final pre-tar mission into one of them. Next time I load, the truck just disappears and all my stuff drops from mid-air to the ground. But that, that, <laughs> That's just a bug. I mean, that sounds really <laughs> funny. <laughs> I mean, that really is an FU moment. Imagine, like, you've taken all this time to load up the truck, you turn your back for one moment, and you turn, and then, like, the truck, boop, just disappears, and all the stuff just falls on the ground. At least the stuff fell on the ground and just didn't disappear with the truck. <laughs> so my comment was that, you know, this is the beauty of having an open world game. But for point two, no, it's not the beauty of having an open world game. It's just the systems not knowing how to play well together. I think that's just a bug, but still very funny. <laughs> but yes, the spawning of bosses, I mean, as you've experienced, is uh, can be a pain. Well, the despawning of trucks, I think, is the real issue here. <laughs> but yeah, it's true. If if a boss BT spawns, then like this big tar pool materializes and your truck will just sink into the tar. I, I think it's meant to come back if you beat the boss, but given that this other truck just vanished into the ether, maybe not. He also complimented your ideas for expanding the game team. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. So, yeah, so there could be about five different genre games you could make out of it. It really is a great game. Although it's, a, it, it's hard to get into. I, I can also see why people would bounce off it. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. On Twitch. As Lost Levels Club. Anywhere else? Reddit slash r slash Lost Levels Club. So, Michael, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful that Jeff Bezos celebrating the launch of his rocket into space has seen fit to put the rebuild of Evangelion movies on Amazon Prime Video. <laughs> so, in August, the rebuild of Evangelion films are going to be on Amazon Prime Video, including the fourth film which came out in Japan this year. I've been waiting for this film for so long and I was thinking how on earth am I going to see this film because it was only released in like physical cinemas in Japan 
And I was thinking, when am I ever going to see this film? It's going to be on Amazon Prime Video. Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0, Thrice Upon a Time. So Michael says bye. Bye Bye-bye.